We welcome you to the official Titans podcast, better known as the OTP. My name is Mike Keith, Amy Wells, always on the OTP. Hello, Mike. How are you? Splendid. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Special guests, as always, Dave McGinnis from Titans Radio. Hi, Mike Keith. Hi, Amy Wells. Welcome, Coach. And senior writer, editor from TitansOnline.com, Jim Wyatt. Glad to be here. How's the mailbag this week? Uh, it was a little bit better uh, than it had been the previous weeks. Yeah, the yeah. mailbag's been challenging. Yeah. We haven't seen Jim for three weeks because he's been answering messages on the the. How many how many actual questions did you get after the Denver game? Do you have any idea? Uh, well over probably 150. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I came and run a lot of them, and some of them are just people going on a rant where you can't run it because it's this is some expletives thrown in there can't run uh, and they and some people just want everybody fired when you lose a game like that i don't want that to turn into a i'll let people vent but i don't want them to be saying this guy needs to be fired this guy needs to be fired it just gets redundant and i did the same thing when i did a talk show i did a talk show every day for nine years the whole thing about firing everybody to me that's not a point I, yes. I mean, if you've got a specific about something, if you, you know, raise a topic that makes a point about something else, I mean, firing everybody uh, no. is never the, the big. And at the end of a season, it's one thing, and that's a different set of circumstances. Or if you're towards the end of a very disappointing year, that's obviously different. But in week six, that you're, you're you know, you sort of haven't given everything time to take shape. Is that fair? Yeah, I, I think it's fair. I mean, as one guy wanted the, everybody fired from the GM all the way to the ball boys, they said. Wow. It, that would include clean us. Completely clean house. And yeah. That us, would include yeah, us. Yeah, would include everybody. Yeah. So. so let's not do that. I disagree <laughs> with that, that decision. Not into that one. One good decision for sure, picking Jeffrey Simmons. That was uh, obviously a good decision by John Robinson. For those who disagreed on draft night or draft weekend – I think they see what John Robinson saw. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I think some of the frustration on draft night was you were picking a guy that wasn't going to play in 2019. Well, right. that's now been proven not true. I mean, because he's now has played, and he's played earlier than anybody expected, and he's making an impact earlier than anybody expected. And then you start to imagine what he's going to be like when he's completely healthy, when he has his conditioning underneath him, when he has you know, lateral movement, all the stuff he's going to be able to do is, is scary. I mean, six tackles two pressures, a sack, disruptive on the goal line. I mean, he's a game wrecker. Warren Buffett-type move in terms of uh, a stock, if you will. You took a guy who you have to win. It's it's not going to make you money overnight, and it didn't. It cost them until the end of October without their first-round draft pick. But the generational talent paid dividends on Sunday, and you see – what he has that made it worth it to take a guy who everybody feels like would have gone in the top five had he not had the knee injury. I talked to John Robinson Monday, uh, and he said it wasn't hard to know what he was when you looked at him. I've looked at a lot of players, too, and you remember when I came in and told you, here's, here's a guy. Right. But – the move and the foresight and also, you know, the blessing from your owner and your head coach to say, we're going to take this guy and and we're going to have to wait on him. But it's 
it, it's worth that. I mean, that that is where really good drafting comes in. And then that's where being able to put together, you know, a, a football team comes in because you've got to be able, I think I like your Warren Buffett analogy, you've got to be able to be able to look into the future too. It wasn't hard to know that this was a good player. Mm-hmm. The decision was, are we willing to take there and wait on him while at the same time we have to win games? And it paid off. Amy Wells, you have an interview that's going to run on this week's edition of Titans All Access, which if you go to titansonline.com, you can see all the different places that it runs. I think it's on in nine markets throughout the region, not just in Tennessee, but also in Alabama and Kentucky. The the way this guy loves this game is what separates him, I think, from guys who have supernatural sorts of talents. We see people in various sports who are naturals, and sometimes they seem almost like it's been so easy for them, they don't love it the way that the guy who's the grinder loves it. He almost has the grinder mentality, special gifts combined. Absolutely. He has the passion that you're looking for in great players. He loves this game. He gets emotional when he talks about the game of football. Like he really, truly, he, uh, Coach Vrabel said that he got emotional when Vrabel told Jeffrey that he was going to be playing this week um, or last week, I guess. It's something that's more than just what he does because physically he's able to do it. It is what he loves to do. And he even told me that he is thankful for some of the setbacks that he's had and some of the injuries that he had because of the way it made him prepare for this season. He was able to get some time with Mike Vrabel kind of one-on-one and learn some technique things that he wouldn't have gotten if he wasn't coming back from an injury. He was able to really form a relationship with Jarrell Casey because they spent some time in the training room together. So to have a guy who's sitting in front of me telling me, you know, this all kind of worked out really well for me when he's coming off of an ACL tear, like, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, I mean, a freak... I mean, because let's face it, it's a freak ACL tear. It happens on February the 12th. I think he was in Boca Raton, Florida, working out. And for most of us, we're thinking, this has just cost me millions of dollars. I mean, it literally cost this young man millions of dollars falling from, if he had been the third or fourth pick to the 19th pick, it's millions of dollars guaranteed. That doesn't seem to matter to him. He, he's close enough where his family can come see him play. He gets to stay in this part of the country. Jim White, I ask you, are we going to have to guard against, are all of us who follow the Titans, all of us who love and enjoy the Titans, going to have to guard against thinking that he's going to have three sacks and ten tackles every game? <laughs> Probably so. I mean, because people are so excited about this guy. Uh, and, I, and I get it. I mean, I'm, I was excited to see him practice last week and excited to see him play. Uh, but I, I do think uh, you have to temper your expectations somewhat because he's still not all the way back. I mean, I do think in time he's going to be even more explosive and blow up lines even more than he did on Sunday. Uh, but I do think that Amy's point, I mean, it's, it's so neat to see a guy who takes it so seriously. I mean, we saw him on his introductory press conference break down and cry when Amy Adams Strunk talked about his character. And he's so invested here because this team – 
took a chance on him and 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 spoke so highly of him and put their faith and trust in him moving forward when you've got a guy that's motivated uh to want to repay you for doing that and that's what he said in that press conference um i mean that's a perfect recipe for a guy to have success dave mcginnis i want you to delve into something here for us drawing on your three plus decades in this league Two weeks ago, when we brought up the fact that he would start working, you were skeptical that he would play against the Chargers. Yes, I was. By the time we got to the game, you were not only not skeptical about him playing, you felt like he would play and play well. Can you give us some insight? We're all aware who follow you on Titans Radio and everywhere you do appearances. You do a lot of background work. You spend a lot of time with this. You go to practice. What had happened in that period of time from you being skeptical to not being skeptical for you to feel great about this young man coming back in such short order and being able to do well? Well, first of all, I, I, I trust the head coach and I trust this organization. And I knew that they would not even put him in that situation to bring him back and start practicing him unless they had all that ground covered. The other thing that happened... And, and Mike Vrabel said this, and, and when he set uh, Jeffrey Simmons down to talk to him about being activated, he told Jeffrey Simmons, it's not about the fact that, you know, we're sitting here at two and four and we need you to play. What it is about is that if you think you are ready to play, because medically they, they say you are, but this is up to you. That, that to me, it makes a big, big difference. And then... We all get to watch practice. Everybody else doesn't. And I think I'm not alone. When he was out there practicing, we were watching him practice. And then I, I watched practice tape, you know, with people that matter. And the things that I saw on there, I mean, they did not just put him in and treat him with kid gloves when he was practicing. They put him in there in the run part of it. People were down around his knees in pileups. What I was looking at is a lot of the guys I've been involved with that have come back from the ACL, you know, in uh, surgery. Once you put them on the field, they do what you call light step. In other words, they don't trust, you know, putting that putting that foot down. And and you, I saw none of that. And then in his one-on-one stuff, he was exactly what you had seen at Mississippi State when you start watching it. He's got incredible, incredible ability to maintain leverage and shoot his hands. And at the same time, a lot of big guys will shoot their hands, but they stop their feet. This guy has leverage, shoots his hands, knock back, and continue to move his feet. This is a special player. You know, we said it coming out, but I started to believe when I watched him practice. That was the last step for me. Interesting. I cried when he got a sack. <laughs> I really did. I mean, I'm not too proud to say it. I was just so happy for him. It was very nice. But, yeah, I full on standing on the sidelines at an NFL game just, like, wiping tears. It was nice. You know what, though? I I, I love Amy Wells because <laughs> she brings another element to just ball. Just totally honest. Another, she's totally honest, and she loves ball. What and a you nice know what? moment. That was a, that, that was a genuine motion, though, and I'm, I'm you know, 
a lot of dudes probably wouldn't admit they do it, and they cried too because that's that's a big, big element, and he's not all the way back yet. Let's keep our powder dry on that, and your question to Jim Wyatt was very, very you know, insightful. Don't expect you know, just immediate, but just what you should do as a fan and what we all should do, just enjoy watching it because it's going to continue to get better. Just enjoy it because – this kid is a generational talent at that position. And the Titans, for an organization, and the response that you get, and Jim, you're as involved with the public as any member of this organization, to have another star on the horizon, to have another guy that, I mean, people are going to be walking around in 98 jerseys. It's going to happen with him. That's a big thing for this football team. It is. I mean, you're looking for marquee players, and, uh, and one of them, just went to the bench last week, and and certainly the team uh, probably lost some of his fan base from Oregon and from Hawaii because of it. Well, you bring another guy into the picture who's got a nine in front of the eight, and uh, hopefully he'll continue to play and uh, play at a high level like he like he will. And I think you know it's gonna be fun to watch him here for years and years to come. It's exciting. What yeah, I want to do is oh, go. just a little. I want to go down to the patent office. And I want to get a patent on Big Jeff. Because <laughs> it's going to be T-shirts. It's going to be coffee mugs. It's going to be, there's a lot you can do with that. With Big Jeff. <laughs> well, it was it was fun. And I think for that experience, you know, to see him and to see the team win and the game the way it was, and you're going against another generational talent in Phillip Rivers. I mean, last weekend at Nissan Stadium is why you love the NFL. Period. Yeah, just because you know, one week a team could look dead, and then the next week you win a game like that and uh, reward the fans who came out and made noise. And I know the players, you know, praised the the noise and, and the energy inside that stadium, and it, and it completely changes the entire outlook on the season. What's important now is you got you can't turn around and give one back. I mean, you got to keep the momentum going. But one win like that. Uh, and, and to see some new faces like a Jeffrey Simmons be a part of it, I, mean, I, I think changes the outlook for a week. But you got to figure out, a, again, a way to keep it going. The one more thing on Jeff, and then I know we've got a lot other topics, but Amy Wells brought this up, and it was a really good point. To me, the biggest, the biggest eye-opener in that football game was not the fact of what he was doing, the sack-wise, the tackles. It's the fact that they had him in there on that goal-line defense at the most important part of the game, and he was a difference. You know, if people got this all 11, and you, you want to see you want to see what a, a, a pocket disruptor, you know, and what, as Joe Green said, a bear on two legs can do to the middle of an offensive line. Just watch that sequence and just watch what he does. Well, because the big winners are the guys who play with him. No, they're, they're, it, it, has a, it has a daisy chain effect on everybody when you have somebody like that. Believe me, I've, I've had it. Well, and you said something else, I guess, two weeks ago on the OTP about – because I asked you the question due to the fact that the Titans are in five defensive backs so much – and due to the fact that that means that only Daquan Jones and Jarrell Casey are generally going to be the down linemen, did he have the ability to play with those two 
to not just play one position? Could he move around? And you said he absolutely could. It looked like they lined him up all over the place. They did, and they had all three of them in there at one time too. And this just gives this just gives Dean Pease and this whole defensive staff and this and this 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 defensive element that we have out there. This gives them just this another place that they can they can give you multiple looks it's it's exciting we talk about casey and we've obviously been talking about big jeff what about the year daquan jones really is having good year he's having he's having a solid solid year and when you really start to grind tape and look at it you know and get away from the from the from the ten thousand foot view and really you know zero it down he's having a really nice year and he's having a nice year because he's really playing good fundamental techniques inside that i mean the hand-to-hand stuff that goes on and, and the, 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 the nuance of playing a defensive lineman in this league, especially on the interior, when, if you really know what you're looking for and looking at, you can be a big body and you can still be moved around if you don't do some very elemental things and you have to do it down in and down out. He has done it this year. He's had a nice year. He's a buy-in guy, too. When he got here... Mike Vrabel made it clear he didn't do things with his hands exactly the way Vrabel wanted. He's learned and adapted. And this not easy for a guy who's been in the league for a few years to make those sorts of changes and adapt to what the head coach wants. You know what's hard for big guys too, uh, Mike, and for our listeners, is that they have normally been the biggest guy wherever they've played growing up and doing those things, and they really haven't had to do anything other than just be that big bear in the room and knock people out of the way. Well, when you get up against people in this league, you have got to refine your techniques to go along with that natural size and power that you have, or you're just going to be another guy. And so you, your point is is exactly correct. Daquan Jones, four quarterback pressures in the game the other day to lead the Titans. Let me ask you this question, Jim White. Daquan Jones or somebody else – the most underrated Titan through the first two months of the season. Daquan is a Daquan is a good one. I'm gonna say Rashawn Evans, uh, just because he leads it. He's at 63 tackles, which leads the team. But in some ways, it has been a quiet 63 in his production the last four games. Ten tackles, ten tackles, eleven tackles, eleven tackles, and he seems like he's picking up steam and he's doing it with a couple of bum wrist that he's working his way through but um, I thought about a couple of different guys there but I went with Evans just because of his consistency along with those 63 tackles got four quarterback pressures a half sack and just is impacting games even though he's been hurt I kind of copped out on my answer as to who's the most underrated player there were a million um, guys on defense who have been super productive and we aren't able to talk about as much as they deserve But another person who's not getting talked about as much as he deserves is Brett Kern. Every time someone opens their mouth, they should be saying Brett Kern's name and talking about how just bananas he's playing this season. Just time after time, punt after punt, no matter what, he is giving the Titans the best field position. He's doing such a great job, and now what's he doing? Throwing 11 yards. Throwing 11 Why yard not? passes. Why you know? not? I mean, I just, he's having another Pro Bowl season, and it is just, it's so exciting to see. And people don't talk about the punter very often because if the punter comes out, something probably went wrong. But Brett Kern is doing everything right. Ben Jones. Ben Jones. Ben Jones has been a mainstay, and that offensive line has taken a lot of criticism. There's been a lot of moving parts on there. He's been the one stabilizing factor. 
And again, when you really want to, you really start watching technical football about what's going on in there. He's had he's had quarterback changes, and so when you have quarterback changes, that makes a difference for the center, especially you know being able to identify fronts, being able to identify protections where they're going to push him. This guy's this guy's having a good year technically. You watch you watch it. He's having a good year with a lot of moving parts around him. Amy Wells got too much work on Titans Radio on Sunday talking about injuries. As we go through this week, Coach Mack, I'll start with you. And the injury list scheduled to come out Wednesday after practice. In terms of who's bouncing back, what injury are you monitoring the most headed towards the Tampa Bay game? Jayon Brown, because you need that cover element in, in today's National Football League. And, and you saw evidence of it last week, and especially the way people are deploying backs out of the backfield, the way people are, are, are splitting out and deploying tight ends. If you do want to be a pressure defense, you are going to have to have matchups. If you don't want to play multiple defensive backs and you still want to be able to keep a second-level player in there that can play the run and the and the pass, you need cover linebackers. John Brown, we need that coverage element. That's, that's critical for what Dean Pease does. I say Jack Conklin. Um, this offensive line is desperate for some consistency. And with Nate Davis suffering an injury in last week's game, there's just there's a lot of moving parts, and they need to start getting – some reps together, all, like all one group. So as soon as Jack Conklin can come back, he can get back in the lineup, and they can start to develop some really good chemistry. It benefits the entire offense. And I'm going with a guy whose injury didn't happen on Sunday. It's just kind of a lingering issue, and that's Ryan Suckup. I mean, because I, I, he is in that window when he can begin practicing. He can't play this Sunday, but he is eligible to play in Week 9 at Carolina. And you just need a kicker that you don't have to worry about where's his head at. I mean, Carlos Santos was 4 of 9, missed four kicks against the Bills. Cody Parker made a good kick uh, this past weekend, but then misses an extra point. And, uh, Which was key yeah, at so, the moment it happened. So, so you need a guy in there, and, and Ryan Suckup is doing th- some things behind the scenes. I know Mike Vrabel said earlier this week that he kind of did a – uh, kind of went through the paces, a simulated game over the weekend, and uh, hopefully we see him on the practice field working his way back closer where he could play here in the not-so-distant future. Biggest area that the Titans need to improve, question is asked after a win and not a loss, much harder to answer after a loss, easier to answer after a win, Amy Wells. I think they need to continue scoring points. I think that this Titans defense is playing really well. Everyone feels super confident in it. But you've got to score points to win the game. That's just how football works. (laughs) So this team needs to start scoring more points, preferably more than 20. That's how you get a win. Uh, You know, listening to Dean Pease and, you know, how much respect I have for him. The the defense, I'm I'm going to add – uh, you know, uh, something that a strength can even get stronger. They need to eliminate that one explosive a game that they are giving up at, at at times. I mean, we saw it. You know, we saw it on, on Sunday. You know, with the, with the Eckler catch. You know, we saw it. You know, we saw it with the with, with the reverse. You know, against against Denver. And Dean Pease has said that. And as well as his defense is playing, if you really want to become a dominating defense. And especially in the latter parts of ball games, you've got to eliminate explosives. And it's just been one a game, but they need to do that. And I'm going third down offense, and uh, and certainly things trending in a better direction after going six of eleven against the Chargers. But still, team is I think 25th in the league uh, on third down 
32.6% of the time, and the way you keep drives moving and get more points is by converting on third downs. I, I still think that's an area that needs to improve, and we need to see some consistency there. Speaking of the Titans' defense, as we move back to that very quickly, Coach Mack, have the Titans seen an offense like the one they're going to see Sunday from Tampa Bay? Oh, they've seen they've seen elements of it, but this this offense uh, when 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 you look at it, and again, I've gone against Bruce a lot, you know, and I, I mean he's going to put that he's going to put that thing up, and this offense is is predicated on on which quarterback you see, which Jameis are you going to see. If you see the Jameis Winston that can make every throw in the book and he's on time and he's not careless and he doesn't you know, become the, the, the gunslinger that's just firing every shot at something that he's not looking at, well, then it's a problem. If you get the really good one, then you've got an issue because he's got, he's got two receivers that can go up and get it. He's got a tight end that is a mismatch problem, you know, an O.J. Howard. And so I think that they've seen elements of this. They probably haven't seen an offense that's going to do it as many times as they will see this offense do it. The whole no risk it, no biscuit thing is true. I mean, he will put it up. Averaging 29 points a game this year, Tampa Bay. Yeah, I mean, and they're tough, you know, interesting. On offense, I look at their defensive numbers. That's what jumped out to me more than anything else. They're number one in the league in run defense. Hey, when they played Carolina – they absolutely shut McCaffrey down. Yeah. I, I just got through watching that game. He got nothing. So one in pass and run defense and 32nd in pass defense. I mean, completely com- different ends of the spectrum. The Titans are going to need to get a lot of turnovers and then capitalize on them. It's not good enough to just get the ball and move it down the field a little bit. We need to score points off of those. How much will Tampa Bay, under Todd Bowles, look at the tape for the Chargers that the Titans put up last week and make adjustments towards Ryan Tannehill. Now, I, Todd Bowles is one of the best defensive coordinators in this league. He always has been. I, 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 I respect him as a, as a coach. You know, the whole, you know, you can take the whole jet thing out of it as a defensive coordinator. And he is going to be, you know, Todd will, Todd's going to bring some heat. And then that's what he's always done. And, and to your point, as far as he will watch, he will watch and see as far as now, you know, Bosa got some heat, you know, last week, but but he he did, you know, coming around the edge. They're going to have to be prepared to block a lot of different looks because Todd Bowles is not one of those sit back and 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 wait and just four man rush you all the time. So you're going to see some things from Todd. Trades. The trade deadline is three o'clock Central Time next Tuesday, October the 29th. But we've been seeing trades for two weeks now. Obviously, Jalen Ramsey from Jacksonville to the Rams. On Tuesday, the Patriots acquire Atlanta receiver Mohamed Sanu. The 49ers obtain wideout Emmanuel Sanders from Denver. Detroit traded one of their starting safeties, Quandre Diggs, to Seattle. Why are we seeing such an increase in trades in a league where usually the trade deadline has been a complete and total disappointment year after year for the fans. Yeah, I mean it's usually always talked about, and this time it's really happening. Yeah, I, mean, I think team. I mean, I think just things have flipped where teams are being more aggressive. They feel like they can win or be a contender. You've got to make moves instead of sitting back. So uh, people ask me all the time about what John Robinson might be considering, whether he would do it. And I say, with John, you know you kind of expect the unexpected uh, this team I think could still use some help at 
outside backer or maybe edge rusher that could help you get over the hump. But then I look at numbers on the defensive line where now that Jeffrey Simmons back and now that Matt Dickerson is back on the roster, I can't help but wonder if potentially he would consider if, if someone's interested in someone, one of your guys that you also try to get a pick back. So um, I don't think anything would surprise me going into trade deadline this year either. Why are teams trading more? Your urgency to win is now in the National Football League. That window has closed. It, it, that, that, has, that, that, besides free agency and the salary cap, has changed more than anything when I first came into this league. Is that, you know, you used to, you could, you could take time, you had time. If a coach had a four or five year contract, he was going to be able to, to see that through, to build. That's not, that's not this league anymore. And, and it, the, the, the chance and the need to win immediately, draft picks, draft picks now are not valued like they were, especially now once they've slotted those salaries. It's a lot different now. It's a lot different because you start looking at what even a first-round pick. You know, a first-round pick, if you were a bad football team, used to crush your whole salary cap just because of where it was going. You know, you were giving 50 to $75 million like Sam Bradford got before he ever took an NFL snap. That's not the case anymore. So that's what's happening now. I was reading something yesterday. Peter King talked to Bill Polian about it and um, why there were so many more trades happening and things like that. Bill Polian said something interesting about it being a younger generation of general managers And so they're a little more used to the wheeling and dealing and seeing some of the high risk, high reward moves, um, as opposed to some of the older general managers of previous eras where they were a little bit more. I mean, Bill Polian even went as far as to say they were more of the depression generation kind of keeping your things close, knowing what you have, wanting to make sure that you hang on to the things that are valuable to you in the event that something goes awry. So I thought that was very interesting to attribute it to a generation of general managers. I mean, John Robinson's in his 40s. He is a lot younger than a lot of previous general That's managers have been. And we're starting and a lot of those guys are. A younger generation of front office executives. It's just kind of the way the league is going. So it is funny to think about the mindset all of, of all of it as opposed to just the logistics of the league. And to build off of Amy's thought and Bill Polian's thought, these younger general managers, they, they've come into an era, you know, of and of a salary cap and also of of a of a of a structured draft slot. That's a lot different than those older general managers had. Yeah, I mean, because more teams have more salary cap room. They are operating in different environments. Yep. Uh, so in terms of John Robinson, and, and Jim went into this a little bit, it, it seems like, I mean, every team has needs, and the Titans are not perfect, and I'm not saying that. But just like with the draft where you don't want to have the glaring need and be forced to do something because of the glaring need, the Titans don't have that glaring need in terms of their depth at different spots, which would mean if he wants to go get somebody, it's to upgrade. It's not because he has to, which means like shopping on Black Friday, you can get a pretty good deal out there. Well, and potentially. You know, yeah, yeah. And, and trades have to be, a, it's a two way street. You know, somebody has to be willing to, to, to let go and give up. Because it, it has to be a win-win, or like in the Jalen Ramsey situation, they just want to get him out of the building. 
and then you know they, they held him and found somebody that was desperate enough to go after him so you have to have the right situations but i think everything is is wide open and and here's what you have to do you have to know you have to know the environment that you're in but you also have to be able to project what the environment is going to be and john robinson is really good at that absolutely all right this weekend Broncos at Colts, Jets at Jaguars. Those are noon games in the AFC South, along with Buccaneers at Titans. 325 Raiders at Texans. 305 game that's kind of interesting to us. Carolina, our next opponent, we go to Carolina on November 3rd, playing at San Francisco. 49ers are 6-0. Group, do we believe in the 49ers? I'm tending to. Yeah, I mean, I was a little skeptical at first, but uh, I like what they're doing, and I yeah, so I'm on board. They might be the real deal. Uh, it pains me. It They've just given up 64 me. points. Yeah, but they always find a way. Yeah. They're real because they're playing real defense. Yeah. They've got a good young defense that can run. And, and Robert Saylor, he's doing a great job with that defense. He really is. He going to be a head coach in the league next yes, year? Well, not next year, but, I mean – He's got it. He if they keep playing, now if somebody starts hanging fifty burgers on him for about six weeks, well then he'll fade away like everybody else does. But <laughs> this guy is doing a really nice job, and 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 let's give John Lynch some credit too. Yeah, because they've they've stocked him with some pretty decent people down front. Some young guys that were had some injuries, but they're they're real because they're playing real defense. Sixty four points in six games. The Patriots are seven and zero. And they've given up 48 points in the seven games. So they're giving up less than seven points a game. Coach Mack, do these New England Patriots go undefeated? Uh, this week they do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you asked me about You asked me when we were doing the Mike Vrabel show, you know, if, if the Jets had a shot on Monday night. And my answer was no shot. No shot. Okay. I mean, he said he said it flat out. We could play the tape. Yeah. No shot at all. Well, you were right. Yeah, he was. You 33 just, to nothing, right? Yep. Here's what they're doing. This defense, I mean, you talk about the sum of the parts being greater than the individuals. It is. This might be some of the best defensive scheme coaching I've ever seen from Bill Belichick. And he's right in the middle of it. And Gerard Mayo and Steve Belichick, two really good. I mean, Gerard Mayo is a young, young coach. Steve Belichick is obviously a young, young coach. I mean, they are, yeah, as make, a staff and with a head coach, I mean, they are doing something special. Make no mistake, though, who's the biggest wizard with the biggest wand oh, on this sure. thing is, is, <laughs> is, is Bill Belichick because what he's doing with that. And the other thing is, is they've got that quarterback on the other side that is always going to be able to possess the ball and keep that defense from having to play a whole lot of snaps. And so That's you're, incredibly important. So are you saying yes or no to undefeated? This week. I say no. Someone will get them. I say they lose twice, if not three times. Jim Wyatt. Their schedule so far, I'm not impressed. I mean, well, Buffalo their schedule has not was a been good tough, win. They yeah. beat the Steelers, the Dolphins, the Jets – the Bills, who have a good defense, the Redskins, the Giants, and the Jets. And who do they have this week? They've got the Browns this week, and then they've got at Baltimore, at Philly, the Cowboys, at the Texans, the Chiefs, and then the Bengals, Bills, and Dolphins. All uh, right, let's circle back when I they play some real teams. Yeah. So, okay, all right, that's yeah. fair. Let me say something to both of my really, really good friends here who I really respect a lot. 
None of those teams that he has read off to me are Division One AA teams. They're all NFL teams, <laughs> right? So just keep that in mind. But you, so you're saying they have, have played play some. Most of them so wait a minute. So you're saying they have played some one AA teams? <laughs> no, I'm saying they've played NFL teams. <laughs> I think they've got a shot because I, not only is their defense playing great, but adding Muhammad Sanu I think is a great pickup. He's perfect in their offense, and I still think Gronkowski's coming back. Seriously? I do. Oh, I think he's having too much fun. He I is living he, his best Gronk life his, right now. But he hasn't Ooh. signed his paperwork. Yeah. What's his weight right now? As he says, he lost a significant amount. It looks he, like 25 He was on Good yeah. Morning America, and he looks skinny still. Yeah, yeah. I'm still saying mm. he, can come, he can come back in December after all the hard work's over and play December, January, and get himself another ring. They'll pay him a bunch of money to do it. That would be the most Gronkowski thing that has ever happened Which in the National Football League. Which is why I'm saying League. I think it can happen. That would be like the ultimate Gronk. No, that's the ultimate Belichick, too. Well, oh. exactly. And and look, Pick up the phone and make one call on Thanksgiving saying, hey, you enjoying that turkey today? What about showing up next week and let's have a little fun down the stretch here? Now that your back feels good and your knee feels good and everything feels good, what about putting on 10 pounds and – Coming in here and playing a few snaps. I'll be so annoyed if that happens. Well, I know you'll be annoyed. I'll be so annoyed. But Ugh. I think it can ha- if they're They'll ruin my Christmas. If they're ten and one or eleven zero. Oh, I don't even want to talk. Guys, about it. what twenty nine? Has any has it did ever has We're everybody seen my Jason Witten out there playing for Dallas? He looks okay. Okay, so just I'm with Mike Keith on this. Mm-hmm. I am all with Mike Keith on this. My holidays are destroyed, and it's October. That's why I think they can go undefeated. More to come. We're going to follow this one in real time. How do people follow you on Twitter, Jim White? At Jay White Sports on Twitter and Instagram. At Titans Amy, A-M-I-E. And if you're not signed up for this podcast. Go. Sign up every week. We do this every week. The OTP, wherever you get your podcast. If you're just joining us for the first time, thank you. But become a regular subscriber. And make sure you're listening to Titans Radio every weekend with Dave McGinnis, Amy Wells, and myself. We're on the air at 11 a.m. Central Time on Sunday. Titans and the Bucks kickoff is set for noon at Nissan Stadium. Tickets still available, titansonline.com slash tickets. Love to see you there. For Dave McGinnis, Jim Wyatt, and Amy Wells, Mike Keith says thanks for listening to the OTP. OTP.